0: Is all back together again for another recap of our favorites' favorite, the goat of goats. Apparently, Brendan Whitted is back in the building. What's up, B? Oh
1: man, they intro- that, that introduction has a fill Okay, i see, I see yeah, you. gotta I, walk uh, upright today. <laughs> having, having a blast. it's funny because uh, I definitely have the last dance on me playing in the background right now. So. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm watching Jordan win ninety seven. For Utah, right now, so this was this was fitting. This is a wonderful, this is a wonderful way way to start this
0: channel. Absolutely, and today we feel like it's none other than starting off the ending of the last dance. And then, of course, there has been some craziness in the world of the NFL between the players, the owners, management, rules. It's just been a wild time on that side of major league sports, but also in the NBA world, we got a little bit talk about in terms of Spencer Didwiddie, and finally going to end it up with Blake Snell from the MLB, who had quite the bit to say about this coronavirus and trying to get the gang all back together in the MLB, and he is not feeling it. We'll discuss that all. So first up, man, Last Dance, episode nine. The last two came out swinging once again. The Bulls faced stiff challenges to their reign in 1997 against Utah and in 1998. Eight versus Indiana. We also got to see a little bit more of some of the role players for the Bulls. But let's just jump in and talk about the infamous. Apparently, Reggie Miller. I didn't know the hatred for Reggie Miller was like that. I didn't even know him and Michael Jordan got into it. But we saw a fight first five minutes into the episode. I was oh, confused.
1: Yeah, no, was, I didn't that know was, that was a whole thing. You know, obviously, they're both two guards, both in the in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and Reggie's. Reggie had this ability to get underneath your skin, in the way that he played, kind of in the way that Stockton played for Utah, where even on offense they're giving you little elbows, and you saw it, you know, at the at the end of that game before he gets the what, is, what becomes the game winner uh, versus Chicago. He's pushing off at the top of that at the top of that, uh, um, then he makes around the three point line and those were the sort of things he always did. He always kicked his he's the guy that, you know, the kicking your leg out and getting the foul. He he created that. That was that mm. was his bait. Like and he <laughs> played that sort of like irritant. Um he wasn't that sort of a defender, but somehow on the offense he was able to get into your head like that and and, and yeah. So it's not surprising he and Jordan tossed more than a, more than a couple times because that was that that was a matchup that that because of the how good both teams were, they were going to go head to head a lot
0: do you think it had to do also with you know in our culture we consider certain you know hues to be a little more annoying than others did that play any role into reggie miller's kind of villain behavior like just being annoying
1: definitely 100 percent, because it's not (laughs) he's not confronting you in a traditional sort of way right like jordan he's dogging you he's in your face he's talking just like there are certain ways that people are accustomed to people competitively mm-hmm. going at you, but it's the little small stuff where you're, you know, you're, you're flopping and you're, you're, you pretend like you got hit a lot harder than you did. You're kicking your foot out. It's those sorts of things that we don't necessarily tie into. Um, while, while we're all like, you know, competing, we don't, we don't, we don't tie that into honest and legit competition. We tie it more into like kind of cheating, trying to, trying to, trying to, you know, trying to fly the system a little bit.
0: So Reggie was like the OG crybaby flopper. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. 100%. 100% <laughs> 100 100 1,000%. And that team was also, it's, it's not just, like, it's it's Reggie, but it's also the Pacers, right? You yeah. had the Davis boys. You had Mark Jackson, who was, who was uh, a, a fantastic uh, um, assist and setup up man. You had Jalen Rose. You had, and even at the end of his career, Chris Muller. Like, they had a team that was good enough to do this you know like if, yeah. it's one thing if you're you know mitch richmond and you're a good two guard but you're on the sacramento kings your team's not any good you know what i mean there are no legendary no real legendary battles between mj and him even though both of them were 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 top flight two guards at the time it's because his team wasn't good enough reggie's team was good enough to stand there. And it's it's really the only time as they were going back through, it's really the only time that I wasn't sure if Chicago was going to win mm-hmm. during during the entire time. Like that Indiana, I remember that game time being like, you know what? They might beat the Bulls because they were that Rick Smith's. Like they had the inside, outside sort of thing. And keep in mind, Reggie's how Reggie plays would translate extremely well now, but like The three-point line just wasn't utilized as much even though the math was always there it just wasn't utilized as much and so to have a guy that is a primarily three-point shooter where he's catching the ball passing relocating to get to another three-point shot that's not something that was done it's something that's much more common now but back in the g it was very uncommon if if your two guard couldn't take guys off the dribble you thought that they were lesser than reggie was a one two dribble guy before he scored he was really kind of revolutionary in that regard
0: Absolutely. You know, I think one of the points that I found interesting in terms of the Pacers was nobody really talked about how easy it was for Larry Bird to get a head coaching position. How many years after he retired? And he was a young coach and he just... Yeah, like, yeah.
1: That's, that's that's pretty early. He retired probably in like 90, so yeah. that's at the, I So mean, that's probably like six, seven years later for him. Right. Somewhere around there.
0: And didn't necessarily have to go through like the old school coaching route where you had to be on somebody's bench for five years and eventually have to work your ranks into like a crappy team like I think either it says a lot about him or that Indiana pretty much has whatever you need you can have it if that state he pretty much owns essentially and he obviously still works for the organization today so clearly he has you know his heart is in Indiana but I just found it interesting that no one I thought that was going to be a point like hey don't you find it interesting that Larry didn't have to do a whole lot to get a full-time head coaching position with a pretty decent squad at that, but you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that makes a lot of sense. He also succeeded as a GM for that, for that Pacers squad. He yeah. was GM of those Paul George and mm-hmm. um, Lance Stevenson and, and those boys that went, went head up with uh LeBron, which there's a lot of parallels to be drawn between those Pacers growing up, going up against LeBron's heat right. and, and Jordan going up against these Pacers. But, uh, yeah he's he he definitely accelerated but like man, he's the hit, he's the hick from french lick like he's <laughs> he's been that guy right like you know indiana state all time whatever whatever you want you know state champion like he just that he he runs that, that place and from a basketball crazy sort of sort of place where indiana is he was absolutely going to get whatever he wanted just like he got the gm job and was good at it like he's he's one of the few guys because magic tried his hand at coaching. We've seen yeah. Michael as the owner of the of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. Like he's one of the few guys that was able to succeed not only on the court but off. Those are those are not the same skill sets. The things that make a good player, the things that make a good GM, the things that make a good coach, and he's been able to be all three, and that puts him in a rare fire for me.
0: Absolutely. And speaking of great coaches or players to transition to coaching, Steve Kerr which a lot of people still don't say he's the best coach, but I definitely think he has you know, a strong sense of at least being able to say, I've experienced this by firsthand of being with someone great. So when he is working with these superstars, he can be like, hey, Jordan did this, or Robin used to do this, or Pippen used to do this. And he's able to kind of be experiential learning and help those guys. His story was phenomenal. Like, besides Rodman's, to me, the help players, Scotty, well, I would say Scotty, Dennis, and Steve were the best stories that were really just like, okay, touching. But his and all he's been through, it really makes sense now for me why he's so vocal about issues beyond sport and his dad's situation and how he was assassinated. I just think very telling as to why he is the man that he is.
1: 100%. And I, I found out about Steve Kerr's kind of past – right somewhere in the nights when i was reading about I, I was reading about fans behaving poorly when they were like really going over their limit you know with, with talking uh, bad about about players on the on the court or on the field or pitch or whatever it was and i read about the arizona arizona state game where they're like making allusions to his father's death and stuff like that in the stands and that's kind of how i found out about it. i didn't know he was a professor i thought he was a government worker but mm-hmm. i i didn't know i didn't know he was a the a um a president of a university but it was uh you could tell even to this day how traumatic of an event that is right. uh, as he as he's as he's recounting it and it was also interesting to find out that he and jordan never talked about it. not surprising not surprising at all but it was interesting like that was a, a, a question i had thought of earlier like I wonder if they ever talks about it cuz that's a weird tie to have to have both your fathers murdered in that fashion.
0: Absolutely. And you know I think it's also they don't seem like the type that want to be trauma buddies with anybody. So right, right, yeah. they're absolutely not going to share the darkest things that's ever happened to them but they also have uh, respect so when they're going toe to toe and they are having these fights it's like I've been through enough to where this don't mean much to me bro you know what I'm saying so it's just one of those things where you have that level of respect and can move uh, accordingly but moving accordingly (laughs) I definitely can't not talk about episode nine without mentioning the flu game or food poisoning game so what is your theory Brendan I have mine but I think I want to hear yours first
1: okay so <laughs> I, I had heard that it was the, the food poison thing beforehand I didn't know about the pizza specifically and about people showing up look I thought and I've kind of seen this this weird end because they, they had somebody on like one of these major outlets today Talking about, I'm the guy that delivered pizza, I would Mm -hmm. never poison pizza. I didn't think when people said food poisoning, (laughs) they meant that someone had poisoned the food.
0: (laughs) That's actually, you're 100% correct. Because food poisoning can simply be the food sat out all day and bacteria got into it. E. coli, seminal Like, that's what
1: I thought we all had agreed to. Now, (laughs) now, Michael Jordan saying (laughs) that he'd been poisoned? Of course, because if there's an affront to, to, to take... He's going to take. He's going to take some sort of umbrage with whatever happened, right? right? So if anything bad has ever happened, and that's why I don't like tall buildings. Now that's like that's how he. That's how he operates. That's how he's living his life. Michael Jordan loves a good grudge. Like yeah, <laughs> there's 100%. nothing more than so him thinking that he was poisoned is not surprising. Or or people from his camp or whatever, whatever. I thought we had all just <laughs> as a collective just decided to ignore that particular part of it, and it's like yeah, you kind of got sick just because you ate some bad food. Like, that was what I literally thought that we had all kind of agreed to. I suppose not.
0: Okay, so I originally thought that this whole time, everyone just didn't want to say he was hungover and he went out all the time and he was just having one of those, you know, bingers where he did a little too much. And so that's why they called it the flu because they didn't want to say, hey, I just have a bad hangover. So all these years, I feel like people have been telling me it's a hangover only for him and all of his confidants to say it was food poisoning. Now my my thing is okay. First of all, how did they even know that it was MJ they were delivering the pizza to? If we're gonna think he got poison, poison, right? How would you even know that it was MJ that got that you were delivering pizza to? Two, the guy that was on these outlets today, he said, "I'm a i am I was a huge fan. Like I would never poison anybody." Okay, but if you knew you were delivering pizza to Michael Jordan, let's say you found out, of course this guy's gonna bring ten people with him. Like exactly. I'm not
1: saying. No. <laughs> you know, yo fam i'm to meet michael jordan you trying to roll like, right yes. yes i am
0: <laughs> absolutely i want to see if i can get a picture potentially. you live in salt lake
1: city don't nothing happen in salt lake city fam hello? like if you if you about to meet michael jordan you calling like, everybody you know hello everybody
0: hello like literally, that is. I feel as if if you're gonna bring a whole group of people, it wasn't mafia style. It was they probably bought shorts and memorabilia and cameras right. and were just like, I want a picture with MJ potentially. Even if it's a security guard, even if it's just like who who knows? He could have answered the door. He could be really laid back. We don't know, but I'm sure gonna go and try and find out.
1: Right, so. and, and also like if you if you live there, I'm sure you know where the Bulls are staying, right? Like 100%. I'm sure you're like whether or not you knew it was Michael Jordan or not. Like, if you know that there's a good chance that like, hey, these, I mean, I don't know how well the Bulls would like just fit in, <laughs> in in Salt Lake City, but I feel like folks would probably know what hotel they were staying at. And that's the other thing. That's why the flu game never made sense to me. I'm like, you finna tell me he got too lit in Salt Lake City? Right. Man, that is not, that, that is not an easy place just, just to get it popping. Yeah. Like, this, this isn't LA, it's not Miami. Absolutely. Like, it is,
0: he probably was having eggnog, one too many apple ciders. Like, come on, like he was staying. <laughs> he was staying at the elk, lo- like the elk lodge. Like everyone knows, all the away teams for the NBA stay at this elk lodge. Same thing. Right. Like, come on, guys. Like this, we want to. You want to make someone evil that we're just not there. Like there are times when people earn their butthole evilness. Like they're a jerk. Fine. This is just not. Okay. So then you made shoes out of it. He's made a marketing team. Why I think he's not lying, but he could very much well be, is, man, these guys who were also in these interviews had their stories locked. (laughs)
2: Like (laughs) Locked down.
0: Locked down. I was like, I hope I have friends who are able to lie with such straight faces the way in which his team has just lied to us. If it is a lie, right? I got you.
1: Look, Coop, I'm going to let you know right now. I will lie for you.
0: Like straight like, up, it was, it was I like appreciate 30 to 30 it.
1: Later on, you and it was like, I can't believe Coop did this. I was like, Nah, Coop was with me the whole time. 100%. i percent. They got video, you if They got video on you, dog Nah, that's not her.
0: Nah. It was doctored. It was doctored. It was doctored. you gotta stop with this TikTok. They definitely were just straight up. This is what happened, and didn't even flinch. Didn't even flinch. That's how I feel like in my spirit. They're not lying, but. i I've been lied to a lot in my day, but they just had it on lock that story. They so. did
1: have, and they all had it like together. Yeah. This is what happened. This is what happened. Like the reports that came out later, all like all that joint, it was impressive. I yeah. don't Look, no one knows except the folks that know. Right. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying outside looking in, I was convinced.
0: I was hundred percent. You can't, you can't tell me otherwise. I know it was food poisoning. That's what I know. Right. right. <laughs> well, when we jumped into episode 10, the battered and exhausted Bulls concluded their last dance with a sixth championship, Michael, Phil, and the others reflected on the end of a dynasty. And there was so much speculation about how how, or if they could have won more. But Dennis Rodman was back in the forefront talking about his, I couldn't come to practice because I had wrestling. And yeah, I just, I don't understand Dennis, but I want to be him low key. And I think Michael envied him in ways that we'll never understand, right? So his ability to have so much God-given talent and yet still not give a flying is just remarkable to me. Like, he yeah, knew how I, I, to, you know, go I, I at 12. Yeah, I think
1: you're right. I think, really, think Jordan really admired him. Yeah.
0: he. Re- you got to respect someone who, at the end of the day, if you tell me to show up, I'm not only going to show up, but I'm going to show up and show out, right? Right. So that was his just, that's who Dennis is. And if you let him be, he'll be amazing for you. If you try to contain him, you try to control his crazy, it's never going to work. And that's a testament to Phil Jackson, too. Oh, yeah. Right? Like,
1: that's a testament to a, to a coach. And, and you mentioned Steve Kerr, too. I think Steve Kerr's time on the Bulls perfectly prepared him for being this Warriors coach. Right. Because they all kind of became rock stars between the way, how much they won and how pretty their game was and stuff like this. And so he understood the importance of managing egos. Like, Luke Long came in and was the coach and they won a, a gazillion games. So you don't need to be, you know, X's and O's all the time. Like, fam, you you roll the ball out a lot and you got Durant and you got Curry and you got Clay, and right. you got Draymond and y'all will figure it out. Right. Right? But the day-to-day stuff, this is an 82-game regular season. You see how stuff can build up where players feel a certain sort of animosity towards one another or towards management or whatever. He would have had a front row seat to that. And so I think that made him perfectly placed to be the Warriors coach because now he's able to sniff a lot of that stuff out and get it before it happens.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think what was beautiful about him, I think about people like Odell Beckham Jr. and how they say – you know, he's this off-the-wall person. Like, if he had a coach like Phil who just let him be, you know what I mean? Like, if you let me be and trying to maintain whatever, I'm going to give you all I got. Now, mind you, he didn't have... Uh, teammates like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, who could pick up the slack. So that's where he was struggling, right? But if he had had a coach who just understood, like, listen, I want you to be great, but I also need you to get it together a little bit. I think, And I think Phil is good at that, where he let him be, but he also said there's consequences, right? right. So he didn't just say, fly off the handle, it doesn't matter. He was like, all right, I need you to rein it back in. And, yes, the team is running suicides because you missed, you know, such and such practice. Absolutely. So. I think Phil is just, it speaks to who he is, because to me, how he contained, you know, beyond the Bulls going to Shaq and Kobe, yeah, those kind of exactly. energies, right? Lamar Odom, which I'm sure was electric, right? I think his ability to kind of hone in to all of that and conjure it up for good speaks volumes. But I know another part of episode 10 that a lot of people wanted to get into was Utah and the hostile, hostile environment. Carl Malone, John Stockton, John Stockton, who I don't know why people are saying is underrated, but I find that very interesting because I don't think he's underrated at all. I think people give him his flowers very much, so maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. But
1: I mean, I mean, this is gonna be kind of an asinine response, but it depends on where you have a rate, right? Like, some, <laughs> do you have a? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I couldn't help. But like, it's, <laughs> it's gonna be like if you have rated as the third best point guard ever. Then okay, you, you you might have a little overrated. if You got rated as you know, um, I don't know the, the top ten then, and you know towards the back end, then you're probably underrated. <laughs> kind of, just, kind of just depends on where you have him. He has, he has a lot of counting numbers that are very very impressive. Yeah, uh, and did a lot of winning. Like Utah, that Utah team did a lot of winning. Yeah, he's the league uh, a league leader all time in steals, one, top three or four in assists. I mean, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna tell me what he did. Is whatever it I think he is one of those players that you wonder how their game translates those players hmm. you know as time goes on very true hey does it does a 6'1 190 guy who's, who's an okay shooter is he able to function literally one anywhere outside of this Jerry Sloan pick and roll heavy thing with this fellow hall of famer in Karl Malone and then on top of that does his game translate to now, which is a you know a thing that we're always talking about when we have this conversation with my MJ or Kobe or Braun, you know, when we start comparing older guys and, and, and Bird and Magic, mm-hmm. how does their game translate now? And I and I that to me, as as we get further and further along, you look at him, he's not he's not a physically impressive sort of guy. I that might be something that, that doesn't translate particularly mm-hmm. that well, particularly for a guy that doesn't have a chip.
0: Yeah, but I mean hell, Steph Curry's physique doesn't necessarily give me like eye gauging yes he that's supposed to translate but he makes it do what it do he can also shoot the lights out of a gym so I'm right i'm sure. about to say he's
1: also <laughs> the best shooter we've ever seen and i think he's, he'd probably be universally thought of that way yeah i mean if he isn't already probably about the time he retires. stock there's it as as great of a steel guy as he is no one thinks that he's the best defender ever as great of a setup guy as he was no way no one thinks he's the best passer ever you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. even with his counting numbers that he has, it's still, eh, I don't know
0: how impressive it'll be the, the further we get from his career. Right. So we saw the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls series where it pretty much it was all Bulls. It even held them to a 54-point game, the Bulls, which I've never seen a final score of 54 points for any team that was as dominant as the Utah Jazz were between Carl Malone and, And John Stockton, Carl, in his whole saga, I've never seen people just go in on him the way in which they did on Twitter. And almost I'm glad that they didn't have social media back then because I think they would have... I don't know how these guys' mental states are, like today, obviously, but back then, it could have changed a lot of stuff, right? So the way people villainize, which, you know, some is deserved, for sure. And then some people find a way to be evil. But I don't know how you find success when you're literally just made to be awful like you're painted as this awful person without them knowing the truth cuz even jordan wasn't painted awful and i'm sure he's done some pretty downright despicable things you know but he had a very I mean, yeah, controlled narrative
1: Malone, though there's some very specific yeah these allegations i'm not sure, i'm not i'm honestly not sure about some of the ages involved but he's been accused of some really File stuff as pertains to minors. Did you see um, I, his
0: <laughs> son who was on social media the past couple days putting video and kind of defending his dad and even defending like the brother that he has with the underage girl that Carl Malone was with?
1: I didn't I, I didn't watch it cuz I mean I just look I understand your general but like there's no there's no there's no pulling me off of this one.
0: like yeah. <laughs> I mean like
1: like there's nothing No,
0: there's I get it. That I get you're it. going to say I understand yeah.
1: you want to take up for your father. I get that. That doesn't make... I'm, I'm just I'm just not even going to listen to it.
0: Yeah. Like, it's not... You know. I started it, and I thought... There was, like, three videos. I, I watched one, and you can just tell it's a sad kid who, unfortunately, is, you know, the product of having to be in a situation that he didn't ask for, right? So right. he didn't, obviously, grow up knowing in the beginning stages who his father was, and then having to have everyone tell you who your father is without also experiencing him on a day-to-day, it's very... I'm sure that's just not a great headspace you want to be in because i mean the kid played at lsu like he played football i'm sure people have said some pretty despicable things but i can't imagine having to go through that and try to defend which i'm sure he his mom you know has to go through that so it's just all around it's it's icky but i think that's why carl didn't want to be on the documentary
1: uh, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't, I never thought that they were super, super close, um, but. Well, did I'm, he, just, was he friends
0: with everybody that interviewed? Yeah. Was he friends with everybody that was on the documentary? Because I feel like, uh, Horace Grant was not exactly his number one friend, fan. Okay, yeah, no, not,
1: not, not. <laughs> but, Carl, but he's also not the player that Carl Malone was, right? That's Like, true. it's one thing to lose to, to a guy after you've been teammates with him. He lost, you know, he lost when he was with the Magic versus the Bulls, but that, right. that was after he had had some success with Jordan. Malone was the best player on the team that lost to him twice in the finals. Yeah. And Reggie Miller even said, he came out either today or yesterday, talking about, like, I. it took me a while before I said okay to the interview because it was just that painful, which I understand. Honestly, I wouldn't want to be in this dude's video talking about all the <laughs> Green is. Like, I'm going to give him a buck. I wouldn't. <laughs>
0: Well, would you be his kid and be in the documentary? Because we only saw them for thirty seconds of this video, which
2: I just okay. Found. I,
1: I, let, let me be. Let me be clear. I don't okay. care nothing about like what they asked. Like I would have maybe like wondered, like maybe a little bit, but this was about the, the game, man. I I actually I, the his family life. Like I saw people get mad that uh, his his wife Juanita or ex wife Juanita Jordan wasn't in the. i I really. That's not really what I came. To. Okay, like but I, I okay, it. but you didn't, Delor-
0: you didn't come for Miss Dolores. You didn't come for Miss Dolores, and you still got her, right? You didn't come for his dad, but we still got clips of him. So I
1: think I was in, I was interested in his. But his his father is like a. That, that's a you know obviously that's a, a little bit of a one off because it directly affected what was going on on the court. that's you know that's part. But do of you not business. think having so a wife and kids directly?
0: Do you not think having a wife and kids directly affects what's going on in your life?
1: i'm not sure how much it affected what was going on on the court like i'll be honest with you but see that's the i mean i
0: think that's also the problem though right i think the fact that we can't sit here and have a conversation with juanita which deservedly so she go take her check and go about her life i don't blame her one bit for not wanting to be with it but there's not enough credit given to someone who literally had to be the rock of your family while your husband went out and was the greatest thing since sliced bread so she gave her kids the most normal life in all for all intents and purposes of what it could have been it could have been a circus we hear about you know child stars or people who have famous parents going off a bender but like she gave them so much sense of normalcy and i feel like that wasn't given enough due or credit or even acknowledged it wasn't acknowledged in this documentary but it should have been i think
1: i i I mean look this is not me saying that that her, her contributions were invaluable because those things are important to have some sort of semblance of, of a family life, to have somebody kind of keeping it all sort of wrangled and together, particularly given the stressors of, of her spouse's job and, and his, how famous he was. There is a ton of value in that. For what I necessarily wanted to see in this documentary, I was less concerned about that. I can understand somebody being somebody being interested in it. I particularly wasn't. Right. So it didn't, it didn't rock me in any, any sort of way, but, uh, I can understand somebody definitely wanting to know what was the price. Cause this was,
0: thank this you. Really that's, that's it. That yeah. That's, that's the word. It said like what is the price? What is the sacrifice? Like to me, I would love to hear, you know, for guys who are looking at this aspiring to be at your certain level and you're talking about the mentality it takes. There's also so much sacrifice. Like how many concerts did you attend for your kids? How many recitals did you miss? Did you go to any, you know? And that's okay if you didn't, but in, with all that you've gotten from it, is it worth it? So those are kind of conversations I would be interested in. I also wonder how much of that is also because of the
1: time difference, right? Jordi is married in like early, early 90s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder how you know, like the, the kind of the running joke in sitcoms and stuff like that is the kind of the absent father. Not because they don't love you, but because you know that's just the their their requirements for what was to be a father was very has incrementally changed even since then and i so sometimes i do wonder about how much that changes like how if if it's like for lebron his his desire to be you know kind of the family guy now i don't know anybody's personal family stuff but right. at least what is portrayed to the public this need, this desire and this need to be a lot more affectionate and, and have that sort that part of you. Um, I wonder how much that changes too. Cause Jordan, I could, I could, I could see a scenario where Jordan's also a little bit more, uh, traditional mm-hmm. in the way that he kind of treats like, Hey, I'm making the money. I don't necessarily need to do X, Y, and Z.
0: I definitely see the Southern Southern side of him. Like you could tell when he was on camera, he was a certain Jordan. And when that camera went off, you heard all the t- all the colloquialisms that we know and understand. And I feel like that was his life outside. And I feel like he tried hard to have a normal life outside of. So we have, and from what his children have said, even in interviews beyond the documentary, he definitely was, you know, a part of their lives and tried to be the best dad that he could be for the, under all the circumstances. So was he a perfect right. dad? No. But do any of us have perfect dads? No. So. I get it. I get what you're saying though. Everyone, everyone wasn't looking for that, but I also felt it, it was weird that almost every single person close to him, you're talking about his security guard who ended up being a father figure. Like there just no mention of him being married. You know, I just thought that was weird. Yeah. No,
1: no, that's, that's, <laughs> that's completely fair. Cause there yeah. was another person going along on this ride with you. Yeah. Um, no, I completely understand who else. See, I was thinking about people that I wish they had interviewed. Like I wanted, I wish they had interviewed, um, a couple of his baseball teammates. Yeah, I, w- I would have wanted. I would have wanted to hear from them just to see what that would have been like. Because while he is Michael Jordan, he's also still like kind of a, a a middling player on your team. Like he's just kind of another guy in terms of the talent, and what it, his output and stuff like that. So I just wonder what that would look like too. Like there were there were a couple
0: like that. Do you think Scott Burrell just said absolutely not? I don't want to be on here.
1: Probably. Like that's the <laughs> other guy. That, that, that's the, I've been and just being like nah i'm good i'm not like, about to sit here and I'm talk good.
0: high of this man who literally belittled me every chance he got
1: and every at every at every turn right like because and that's the other thing i'd like to talk about like his lead, the one the things that i'm going to take away from this are two things i'm gonna take away from this. oh look at you the
0: segue into our next discussion the biggest know, takeaways I mean, you know, I mean, okay uh <laughs> <I wish laughs> the thing i'm
1: gonna take away from this is two things. One is the scene where he's got the cigar in his mouth and the baseball bat, and he's talking about playing the horn go down one zero or or tied one one. I can't remember, but it's in the in, in the final final run for the title, and he's talking about can can you talk shit when you down? Like can you can you, can you, can you be that same person? Can you be that same tough guy that you were when we were? And when you were up by five with a minute left. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I thought that was really, really dope and really, really cool from a a capital shit talk. And then the second thing would be how important Pippen was in terms of the leadership of that team. Obviously, Jordan was the best player, but having a foil like Pippen who wasn't always trying to dog you down, wasn't always trying to like go after you like that, was able to like lift you up and give you that pat on the back. Like it's going to be, it's going to be okay, you're going to make it, how important he was to their, kind of, the dynamic of that dynasty.
0: Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways, like you were mentioning, when you talk about Pippen, is the idea of a role player, and not even so much where it's like some people take that as such a condescending role, like, oh, well, being a role player means I'm not important. Like, hell no. Every single person on that bench from start to finish was important. Now, whether you talk about someone being the forefront the figurehead the one who has to take all of the hits in terms of media presence all of that i think of course jordan he built his brand to be the most elite athlete in arguably of all time but everyone else had to do their part and you had to be okay with doing your part so everyone has to know their role and play it well so if Pippin had any type of ego to the extent where he was like no i want to be the man and i can't be anywhere unless i'm the man that would have never worked like you have to humble yourself to know like I'm still talented, and I what I offer is still great. It's just a different talent than what he offers. And I think that and also that, works for Dennis, too.
1: And the crazy part about it is, Scotty was that guy. That's yeah. He he is that <laughs> guy, right?
2: He's,
1: I'm going to sit out if this play lack off me. But Jordan was so much better than Pippen. Even as great as Pippen is, yeah. Jordan was so much better than Pippen that even Pippen was like, nah, nah, I need to chill.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's really real. I think he acknowledged that's. I think when it came to the point you're talking about trying to go for seven, no, Scotty would have never done that because it was his, he paid his dues. He, he literally took sacrifice financially for it, which is a, literally could be an entire podcast on that, but he took that L and I think he wanted to go get paid and rightfully so. I think all of them, like... Michael had mentioned, you get to a point of winning where it's so mundane that it's almost not enjoyable anymore. Like You don't have that same kind of hunger, same kind of fight. It's hard to repeat. It's hard to push for that excellence. And I think they all just kind of knew. But if they had tried, I think, of course, they would have figured it out. Because once you know what to do, you can hone in and lock in during playoffs. But it wouldn't have been the same, right? It wouldn't have been the same kind of jazz. And I think there were other teams that definitely had the juice to beat them.
1: I think one, I think you're 100 right. I don't think Pippen ever takes because at the time he would have been able to take fourteen million for that next year. That was the max allowed for that for one year at the time. I think he had he ended up signing with was it Houston? For like seventy million dollars. And like I, I I you know, again, that that would have been a longer term contract, so per year, I don't know what that would have broken down to, but like yeah. let's 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 yeah. be real like let's I mean you know for, for a guy that had been criminally underpaid before he's not gonna I don't think he's ever going to take a short ever again because he actually ends up making more money on the court than Jordan does right um because he you know he continues to play with Portland and 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 the Rockets and stuff like that but that truncated season remember they have the lockout so it's mm-hmm. 50 game season I think that would have been the perfect opportunity if they were to ever to do it and you would somehow have gotten Pippen to be like, okay, I'll take this for 15 for this one year. I think they would have been able to maybe do it. Like that's the only, you know, if you chop down 30 games off the regular season for a team that's burnt out. Yeah. And you can, you can kind of tell when teams are kind of burnt out. In the NBA, you get you don't really get dynasties like that in, in football, Patriots uh, notwithstanding. You don't get it in baseball like that either, but in basketball, you get, dynastic times in the NBA is kind of how you measure what's going on. And so by the end, of the Warriors run. You can kind of tell. Now I think that if Durant doesn't Durant and Clay don't go down versus the Raptors, I still think they they find out a way to win, find a way to win it. But that's a that's a that that team you can tell is just kind of on on its last legs because it's it's such a long season and it's and it's so grinding and there's so many personalities that eventually it, it's just too much.
0: Right, and I think one of the other takeaways that I found that was interesting is just like relationship with media, and would you even call yeah. Ahmad Rashad the media? <laughs> Because
1: yeah,
0: me, I, he, I, I would definitely call me because only because I say that because he has such a close personal relationship with Jordan. Like, who do you see now? So, of course, everyone's like, My sources say, you know, so and so called, like, but no one said, no one literally is seen taped being like kicking it, going golfing with, you know, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry, where they're having conversations about things that we want to ask during media availability day. That they're just, you know, shooting the shit on the court or in the golf course, stuff like that. I think that spoke a lot to just kind of the nice access that media had back then. But even then, building relationships, I think it just took that kind of trust. But also, on the flip side, the media did a horrible job of painting this narrative about Michael, especially with his dad passing and just this gambling issue and all of that. So it really is that fine line. They love to build you up to bring you down. That's that's such a narrative that... We don't want you to be too perfect, right? Because we have to find something wrong. So,
1: because they always look the, the, the thing that I got from that because Amara Rashad is hanging there with Jordan. Yeah. And he, he doesn't have a tape recorder on him, he doesn't have no pencil or paper or anything like that. Because he knows it's not right now is not the time that you're going to get the media stuff. He'll right. give you all the media stuff, but right now is not that time. And I think that, and in I think that this kind of these are some of the last years that the media actually travels with the team on on team planes and stuff like that <clears throat> they it's and there is a rush i feel like in in sports media to cover all the other stuff mm-hmm. like a lot of the like hey what were you doing where were you out at And uh, there's a lot of like tmz vacation of sports media in particular and i think that that in a along with social media being more prevalent has made the media kind of less necessary,
2: hmm. right? Like
1: if I, if I need something to be said, I no longer need a mouthpiece. Jordan felt like he needed a mouthpiece. He, he tried to, uh, the, the sports illustrated guy where he's, they're trying to come back with, whoa, he's back. He's back. He ends up typing. I'm back. Right. Well, now they would just do that on their Twitter. Feed. <laughs> they don't need to call you. They yeah. don't need to talk to you like that. that none of that is necessary. And so, I think that's kind of the biggest change. Like, hey, I don't need – I really don't – I got Instagram, live. I can go on. I got Twitter. I don't really need a mouthpiece anymore. Mm-hmm. And that combined with wanting to cover stuff that has nothing to do with the sport. Like, I don't really need a lot of personal information on my athletes because I don't. I don't have any sort of personal relationship with them. So my only relationship to them most of the time is – how, what they're doing and what they're playing on the court.
0: That's very fair. Once they
1: leave there, they can make the decision to give me more information. But if they don't want to, completely fine by me. And I think that's those are the changes in in, in the times. And I don't know if it'll ever get back to where the 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 players feel comfortable. That that you could tell there's a level of comfort. You know, my You know, he's laying back in the seat. Jordan's chilling. Like right. everybody's chilling. Right. Like we're not. I'm obviously not about to go grab a pen and paper right now because I trust you that much. I don't think we'll ever get to a time like that again.
0: Well, I also think there's a beauty in oracle storytelling where you're, is that oracle? Is it right? Is that oral? Oral? Yep. Oral? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty. I think there's beauty in (laughs) oral storytelling where it's like you literally had to sit And listen to a person and really get the story. You know what I mean? Versus pen and paper versus cameras. You literally just got to sit and talk. And so to me, what's so great about this documentary is I don't think we would have appreciated it had they been doing it real time. Like you definitely wouldn't have appreciated the same. The fact that we get to go back now. And I think this, if they want to create, you know, a documentary moving forward from teams that we currently see, like the Cavs, where they had that one year where they ended up winning and taking the championship back home to Cleveland or you watch the Warriors Dynasty. If you watch, you know, five years from now, we sit there and watch that and Steph and KD and all of that. I think I would appreciate that more, right? I wanna know what the mentality was when KD came to the team and how that really was for Draymond and all of that. I don't wanna know in the in the you know immediate. Obviously I know that sucks, but like let's take a moment to let it sit, fester a bit. <laughs> now we can gather some intelligent thoughts. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, and then we can make some informed decisions or we can build on a public relations team. Let's now learn how to tweet with some substance or, you know, curate some content that's going to mean something. I think when you just fire off the helm on Twitter, that's when you just build for problems. Like a lot of these guys did when they're in high school and college and it comes back to bite them in the butt down the line. So, you know, I do definitely agree with what you were saying there. So the next documentary that we're going to see featuring your favorite athlete or an athlete you want to know more about is
1: Mike Tyson. hundred percent. <laughs> like Mike is, and I've read some of his book. I saw some of his one man played. Uh, no, I saw, no, I saw all of the one man playing, read some of his book. Yeah. Uh, he has lived a life. He's got, he's got stories with Brad Pitt.
0: He's lived several lives.
1: And, and like, it's just so much, so much outside of being who he was as the baddest man on the planet. Like yeah. he was terrifying. Still is, let's be
0: honest. Oh, <laughs> like, have you seen, seen the like video? I would
1: be scared as hell. You've seen um, the
0: video of him, like, trying to say I'm back and his different boxing?
1: He... Mm-hmm. No, no, no. He looks explosive and scary. Right? He looks 100%. <laughs> and the thing that made Tyson scary, yes, I mean, the, the, his, his hooks were vicious. He'd go to the body up top. He was like a bowling ball of knives, and it was terrifying. <laughs> but that's not what made him scary. Yeah. The scariest part about him was, like, just talking to him and and listening to what he viewed as reality and good lord, like that (laughs) (laughs) that was that will scare me far more than somebody punching my lights out. Like, yeah, that's scary. But what's scary is when you don't know if you're on the same plane of existence as someone else. Like that that to me will always get like Tyson is just, yeah, give me give me ten, give me twenty episodes of Tyson all day.
0: And I think the fact that he probably does not yell but he doesn't have to, and you still what? feel fear is what's so electrifying about him. Like, he is not going to yell at you. He's literally going to say, all right, bet. And then here he comes. Yeah. And I unload on you, you know? So I think that would be interesting. I said, low-key, I would love to see a documentary on Pop because I just want to hear his storytelling about all the different, yeah. like, international players that he's had and how he's made that work, right? So we talk about Phil Jackson being great, and we sleep on Pop, like just because he doesn't have the laundry list of championships. I think he has been able to bring together a lot of wide ranging of guys, diverse talent and make it work for him and be a successful coach for all these years. So he would be good to me just to listen to.
1: That's the first time I've heard pop. And I think you're right. I think he would be, I've only heard him dress people down. So I don't know what kind of storyteller (laughs) he would be, but like, I, I would be very, very interested um, in pop. Now I wouldn't necessarily be super. The only thing that would keep me from him is that like the Spurs team didn't seem super interesting. Sure. But like,
0: maybe that's the way they like, like, wanted I, it. This... Maybe that's how they wanted it. Like, I think a lot of people sleep on them. Like they're boring or whatever, but like sometimes there could be, there's spice with Tim Duncan. We just don't really talk about it. Like he's had some interesting stuff go down in his life.
1: I mean, look, if, if you're talking about stories, just, I mean, probably Tony Parker would probably, uh, probably uh, be a <laughs> <I> <laughs> Yeah, we're doing that. Facts,
0: fair, I mean, fair, fair, yeah,
1: fair. I'm just gonna leave that there. Yep, but um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, like uh, to like so first of all, shout out Kevin Garnett. It's his birthday today. Hey, um, what a fantastic player! Uh, NBA uh, final uh, an MVP, a championship, defensive player of the year, uh, four time first team all defense. Uh, man, just I think 15 time All Star. I think that he's better than Duncan but that's a that's a conversation for a different day Oof. but like even he the the trash talkiest of all of these guys was like I can't even talk trash to tim cuz he'd just look at you and be like all right <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's just that, that's just kind of and I know like my brother's like that like it's not even it's like it's fun to roast my brother but only because I know him like he's just very like all right that's cool <laughs> I mean, like there's always like, like there's there's I don't know what what the what the market is for Tim Duncan for Tim
0: Duncan bio. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. He used to be a swimmer, and then he turned into this amazing basketball player, and then ended up being this mixed martial artist now. So I don't
1: know. Right, he is doing that and, and assistant coaching now. Like yeah, he's, he got dredged. He's, uh, he's just, I'm not saying that he's not interesting. I don't know how well that translates to a documentary. For,
0: sure. Right. That's why we only and, get, and, That's why we only need Pop and Tony. <laughs>
1: you're right. No, no yeah you got you got so. <laughs> and manners you gotta have because I feel like will
0: wild absolutely well we are going to pivot and end the day talking about a topic that clearly we could we're gonna probably spend the majority of our time on is the NFL and their ability to always continually get it wrong and I don't know who they, you know, you always have someone you pitch an idea to, right? You always got a homie that you just need reassurance from. I just want to know who in the NFL's life that homie is because they need the, the crap smacked out of them. Why do you sit here in meetings and say, hey, I think this would be a great idea. Someone, your yes man is like, yeah, go for it, do it. Sounds great. I need not know who that person is in these NFL meetings for sure. But if you haven't heard, per Tom Pellicero, the NFL had... This past since because it was changed a little bit today. The NFL is immediately instituting changes to the Rooney Rule requiring clubs to interview at least two external minority candidates for head coach openings and one minority candidate for any coordinator job. Now, also, there was a proposal given where it basically incentivized teams that any team that hires a minority head coach would receive a six-slot bump for their subsequent years third-round NFL draft pick, hiring a minority general manager would move the same pick up 10 slots. Teams also would have their fourth round pick boosted by five slots if the coach or GM is retained after one year. Additional compensatory picks would be awarded to teams that had a minority assistant become a coordinator or head coach general manager elsewhere. Saying that, all to say none of that happened today for nFL meetings. they nFL owners actually tabled the resolution to incentivize the hiring of minority coaches and general managers according to jim Trotter so that's what was on on the table but they have since uh, shut it down because i think the backlash was too great yeah I, I, and it's also something
1: that they do when they don't have the support but when they wait they can kind of take a straw poll before they actually officially vote on it um, and if it's not, re- if they don't feel like they'll have the support, they'll table it because mm. um, you don't, you don't want it just to, to not pass. Um, you, you, you'd ra- you rather like change it, alter it, edit it right. as need be. My issue is that there are some good, there are some good bones here in terms of what they're attempting to do. Right. Where they're saying one coordinators um, have more leeway in terms of taking interviews for these jobs um right now as the system stands teams have to okay the interview of their coordinator before um the hiring team can interview them so i think it's taking away some of that stuff um there's uh this is talking about expanding the running rule <clears throat> excuse me to coordinators. I, I know that you mentioned that to presidents i didn't i don't i didn't see whether or not that you were talking about they extended to coordinators yet yeah um which obviously is a stepping stool kind of a feeder to head coaching which if the my if the runa rule isn't a part of that then it can kind of be like yeah we interviewed this black person but they didn't have You know, they weren't qualified. Why? Because they weren't a coordinator first. Well, they weren't a coordinator first because the room doesn't apply there, right? Right. Um, so you can kind of make that thing. But there's a larger issue here.
0: Please. You can only legislate away so much.
1: It you can make every rule that you want to. You can even make I mean, hell, (laughs) you can bring it to a quota system, but ultimately, this is a game that is seventy percent black. From the players' perspective, despite the fact that most coaches come from former players, the number is 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 a paltry number in comparison in terms of the African Americans
0: in head coaching and GM positions. There's currently yeah. There's currently
1: four. This rule, if you like to, but if if winning trumped the owner's personal views on race, Cap would have a job right now. Yeah. Right. Right, he's he's obviously better than a lot of the other starting quarterbacks and we've been through that and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna relitigate that, but yeah. If that mattered more, if if your teams your your football team was in a better position, if that mattered more than what you felt about racial issues, particularly as it pertains to black people, Cat would have a job. He doesn't have a job. So like it's it's kind of like whatever, you can only do so much. At some point it's about whether or not you want to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm putting my hands up. I'm kind of washing my hands of the situation. You can legislate as much as you want to. You can't legislate away anger. You can't legislate away ignorance. You can't legislate away hate. And so we're seeing basically, that in our, in our real lives. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not just in sports. We see this everywhere.
0: So basically you're saying the mentality has to change before any kind of legislation has to change.
1: Precisely, yeah. because there can be, you can find a way around anything. Where the people they have the only Rule now. Well, they're bringing in people for token interviews. Okay, but they satisfy the rule. Well, the spirit of the rule is to give Black folks and minority folks a fair shake. But the but you can never really legislate the spirit of a law. You have to legislate what you can. But if the ultimate if the, if ultimately it goes to the same people who are making the same decisions, it doesn't matter what rules you put in front of me, homie. <laughs> like I'll just change them. You know I would love what I need. yeah
0: I would love to do a podcast or we talked about how we want documentaries to come out after the fact once this all because every it's gonna happen the storm is gonna stop right eventually I think we will start to see more minority coaches and GMs and presidents because people have to pass on and things have to, I, I'm praying that's what I'm believing for right I don't know for a fact but I'm, so I'm believing for it the documentary I would love to see is what actually happened in your interview. Because, you know, some hiring managers are cold stone-faced. They can, like we talked about, MJ's friends can lie straight through their teeth. They can make you believe you have a job. They can make you feel like you were the best candidate, thanks, smoking, since sliced bread. Like, some people can do that. I don't believe, with my full spirit, (laughs) that all these GMs and presidents and head coaches who are trying to fill vacancies can all lie with straight face. And they probably, some of them literally check it, like we're doing this interview for a box check. Like they give off the energy that we're only doing this because we have to. So I would love to know the coaches' experience, minority coaches' experiences when it comes to trying to fill or get hired for these roles and kind of who kind of shut the door on them instantly, who gave them a fair shake, who even brought them all almost down to the finish line and then said no, like I would love to know what, I would love to be a fly on the wall because I think that that's also problematic Like, are they teaching you tools to lie to these guys and make them feel as if they are the top candidate knowing full well you have no intentions of hiring them? Because then that's a whole other domino, you know, snowball thing that we need to dive into. Like, why is there almost a system to give people false hope? (laughs) Like, why is there a system that allows these guys to be very desirable candidates and they still not get an opportunity? Makes no sense to me. But that, a that's that's also also real world, yeah.
1: So, as I was reading about them incentivizing teams that were willing to hire, that did hire head coaches and, and presidents and, and things of that nature, whether it be compensatory picks or moving up in the draft or whatever, how would you feel about taking a job in a scenario under the under that scenario where you know that this team is hiring you? Knowing that they're going to get this sort of incentive?
0: So, my pride would be disgusted because I felt as though I didn't need an incentive to be your head coach. I don't need an incentive to be your GM. I don't need an incentive to be your president. However, bills need to get paid. And I feel like that, like, from being a real world person like or my day-to-day that has nothing to do with sports in so many regards like if i need a job i need a job so i gotta humble myself enough to say now that i'm in the door how can i do- be effectively changing you know what's around me so now that i have been hired i'm gonna make sure the same way their friends all gotten in i'm gonna ensure that my friends get in, and i'm gonna ensure that you know my son is a coordinator or a made-up position or you know social media whatever handler i don't care I'm putting everybody I want because now I have the position, right? Now I have some sort of strong power, strong hold on it. So I'm going to take that opportunity, despite knowing why I got here. I'm here now, and I'm going to hopefully it not be the same way. And I'm going to ensure that when I leave here, if I do have to leave here, that it's going to be someone that looks like me coming right back behind me. Like that's what I'm, I'm going to try. Those are my things and my mentality. Like I would, I would take the job, knowing that I would be agitated, but I would still take it. You?
1: i I've, I've never agreed with you more. Uh <laughs> like honest honest to God, like in terms of putting people on, like whether or not you're gonna like me in this position, I don't care. You weren't gonna like me regardless. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's that's the thing to me, like my prize not even gonna be into it because like the people that are gonna that are gonna mine won't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they they would have never they wouldn't have hired me anyway. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? Like obviously they can't be trusted with this just just even if it's based on merit, they can't be trusted with it. Cause you can look at um, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been the offensive coordinator the last two years, yeah. number one offense last two years. Has not di- did not be uh, the enemy. Didn't yeah. get uh, a head coaching offer. That is insane. In in a in a offense crazy NFL for the for the guy to be number for, for him to be the offensive coordinator number uh, over the number one offense with what they put together, reigning Super Bowl champions to still not get one. Yeah, so we're not even doing all meriting. Okay. But are we, assuming, well, trusted with
0: this. are we assuming that that's what he wants? And I know, he, I mean, obviously, everybody wants to be the top person. But I feel like sometimes it's hard, to because we speak for them, right? We're speaking for me and me. Like, of course, he wants to be a head coach. Like, what if he don't? Like, not saying he shouldn't and not saying, you know what I'm saying? But, like, what if he actually genuinely loves his role that he's in now and when he feels like that door's supposed to be open? However, in this instance, I do believe he did try and hire... I was about he, to say, he, he
1: had interviews. Like, he... he, he interview for head coaching position, yeah
0: i do believe he the energy
1: and, yeah. and considering that the guys that were selected uh that just knew sean McVay,
0: joe or, judge
1: or, like just literally <laughs> yeah. any other like oh yeah. well we're looking for the sean McVay type so the people the, the offensive coordinator the number one offense let's y'all not looking for him because that's yeah. like Sean McVay type to me right but it changed what sean McVay type really meant was young and white and male. yeah right and it, it, the enemy. He's he, he's a young offensive. And then and then what? What do we? We didn't even see a picture of him during the Super Bowl. It's well, look at Andy Reid running the offense. Hold on, player.
2: Wait, <laughs> what? What are we doing now? Oh, okay. That's that's what
1: we're doing now. Because I saw the defensive coordinator for other teams. I I don't I don't. Matt Patricia was the defensive coordinator for Patriots. Now he's the head coach of the Lions. Kept his job, even though Caldwell had a better record over Ooh. the same period of time. But whatever. Okay. But I'm trying to figure out like. When do we when we we change we change the goalposts uh-huh. right? We change the goalposts when it comes to us. And so, if you want to tell me that they need this in order to hire more black people, yeah, you probably do, Playboy. <laughs> y'all probably <laughs> do need this because so far y'all been slacking. Okay, y'all my other question,
0: slapping. my other question is, what if would I rather be a coordinator on a Super Bowl winning team or a head coach of a piss poor, we barely making playoffs team?
1: I really, I, I, I would like, I like to be the guy that's making the decisions. For, so I love winning. Winning is, is always paramount. But yeah. like, if you win enough, like you said, if you win enough, there's you're going to need a, more, right? Yeah. And being number two on on the list of the coaches when you win in is dope. But eventually, it's just a natural competitor in people. in those people in those positions, just the natural competitor? It's the reason we see college basketball coaches try to go to the NBA, Elos you know, though like, those are completely different skill sets. There's no recruiting in the NBA yeah. in the same way that there is in college, yada, yada, yada. But they want to know. And can, at the highest level, can I be the number one guy on the highest level? It's just it's just what's baked into every single competitor. Um, so I'd want to, yeah, I'd want to be the, the man somewhere. I mean, I don't want to lose. I mean, you telling me I'm going to lose kind of chances a little bit, but... Yeah, no, I want to be the number one guy somewhere.
0: That's fair, because how many assistant coaches and coordinators do you see in the Hall of Fame? Like, nobody really talks about them, right? Even though they're probably the ones who could spoon-feed the head coach everything to do, nobody puts their names on the plaques, right? So, Precisely. That's unfortunate, but (laughs) that is the reality. And I think, you know, it speaks volumes how we're trying to progress in terms of wanting to be on top, as we should be. And hopefully... However it comes, we get the opportunity to do that because it's it's high time we change and shift. And I just wish they had ro- of course it didn't roll out with the right thing the first time, right? Of course the NFL didn't do it where it was actually made some sense. It was just, it was a struggle for me. But I'm gonna give I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with them trying to figure something out, man. I'll be honest with you. Like, if if, if I were in a system where I could somehow affect change, I'd at least propose this. joint. I'm like, look, something needs to happen, right? Because we're we're not doing it now. However, you want to say, well, this isn't the perfect. It hundred percent is not the perfect thing, but you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing that that whoever brought that to to the vote, or at least made that a conversation point. If it was a legitimate conversation point, hopefully it was. Yeah. Um, then they were trying to change something. Right. Now, again, I don't know if it can change people's hearts and minds with, with words on a page somewhere, but I mean, do, do what you do, Playboy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, for Candace Cooper and Brendan Widder, we hope you enjoyed our episode and you make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram OOML Podcast. We have all this content that we're trying to bring back. Just kick it once again and be, you know, it's always good to talk to you. Talk sports, talk shop. And we want you guys to raise your glass to the good vibes, pour one out for the bad vibes, make sure you're staying safe, stay inside, and above all else, be blessed.
1: We out.